we'll pray over the Word of God this morning and just believe that we receive everything that the Lord has for us today. You believe God's got some good things for you? I do too. So Father, we just come before you today in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord God, for utterance. We set ourselves in agreement for that. Speak to us through the Word and by your Spirit. Lord, may the saints be edified, encouraged, and comforted. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be uh, seated. I want to speak a message to you called, On the Way to Rome. The Apostle Paul was in great trouble in Jerusalem because he was preaching the Word of God. And he had to go before Felix. He had to go before, oh, Festus, who was the governor. And then he had to go before King Agrippa. And uh, they just really didn't know what to do with him. So they sent him to Rome to come before Caesar. And there's a scripture in Acts chapter 23 and verse 11 that the Lord gave the Apostle Paul very clearly to encourage him and to reaffirm the assignment that he had given him. In Acts 23, 11, it says, And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. That's a good word. Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness at Rome. You see, according to man, the apostle Paul was guilty of preaching the word. But Paul didn't back down. He said to the church at Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So Paul's assignment was to go to Rome to take the gospel to the most important city of that day. We could say it this way, that Paul had a date with destiny. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, whatever you may be going through, it may look like the enemy is winning. It may look like he has the upper hand in your body. It may look like he has the upper hand in your marriage. It may look like he has the upper hand in your finances. But when it's all said and done, what looks like your greatest defeat can turn around to your greatest victory. Amen? Tell the person next to you, I'm on the way to Rome. Amen. Did you know that today's morning is tomorrow's dancing? Today's water is tomorrow's wine? Today's sorrow is tomorrow's joy. And today's turmoil is tomorrow's joy. Hallelujah. And today's storm is tomorrow's calm. I submit to you this morning that the enemy is not coming after you because of some of the foolish things that you have done, but because of the glorious things that are about to happen in your life when you get to your place of destiny. He is afraid of what may happen when you get to Rome. Hallelujah. Shout somebody, I'm on my way to Rome. (laughs) He's in the ship. The storm arises. And I want to pick it up in Acts 27 in verse 9 and read a few verses. Acts 27 verse 9. Now when the time was spent in... When the sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So they they put them on a ship with other prisoners and sent them to Rome. 
And he said unto them, Sirs, I've perceived, this is an inward knowing in his heart, that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia and there to winter, which is in the haven of Crete and lies toward the south and west and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, everything looked good at that time. Supposing that they have obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by to Crete. But not long after, there arose it a temptuous wind called Eurekladon. The word Eurekladon simply means this, violent agitation. In other words, it was a storm with extremely bad intentions. I want to just stop right here. Did you know that the disobedience of others can sometimes rock your boat? And in verse 15 it says, And when the ship was caught, and we could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running unto a certain island, which is called Claudia, Clauda, which had much work to come by the boat. Verse 17 says, Which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing. I want you to pay particular attention to that word. What did they do? They were fearing. Lest they should sail or fall into the quicksands and strike sail and were so driven. Now, verse 17 is a little bit blind to us. So I want to pull it up in the NLT to give you a clearer picture of what was taking place. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. So get the picture. They're in the ship. The storm arises, and all of a sudden, fear grips them. Fear gripped them to lower the anchor. And I want to say to you this morning that fear makes people stop before they reach their destination. After all, was it not fear that made Adam hide in the garden? Was it not fear that caused Elijah to hide from Jezebel? It was fear that made Peter to look at the waves and the wind and made him drop into the water. But I've got a clear word from heaven today. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Never, ever lower your anchor until you reach your destination. Never lower your faith. Never let go of your dream. I believe that for many of you this morning, this is your day to raise up your faith, to raise up your praise, to raise up your voice, and to raise up your vision. I prophesy to you, for many of you today, that your season of being stuck can end today. Look at your neighbor and say, raise your anchor. It's time to put away the whining. 
It's time to put fear underfoot. After all, we are either driven by dream, by drama, or destiny. Oh, but someone says, but Pastor Mark, I just, I don't know. I just don't see God in this storm. Anybody ever felt that way? That's why he tells us that the just shall live by faith. That's why he tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't give a holy hoot whether you can see him, feel him, or not. Let me give you an example of this. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace, were they not? But there was a fourth man that showed up in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. But nowhere in Daniel 3 does it say that they saw him. It was Nebuchadnezzar that saw him. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. You may be going through a burning, fiery furnace test right now, but I'm telling you, the fourth man is loose in the midst of you. And he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Say it with me real strong. I walk by faith and not by sight. Now notice in verse 18. It says, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest. I mean, the ship is just going back and forth and back and forth. They didn't even have Dramamine in those days. <laughs> the next day, what do they do? They lighten the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we, sh- that we should be saved was taken away. I mean, this is a rough situation. And there are some beautiful pictures in here for you and I. When you seem like you're at the end of your rope, Don't you dare let go of your hope. Because the God of hope still calms the storms today. The God of hope still speaks to us in our midnight hour. He gives us what we need so that we can hold fast to Him. So that we can make it to our Rome. Now notice with me. In the next verse, in verse 21, it says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Here's what he said. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. You should have not loosed from Crete and gained this harm and loss. But now I exhort you to do what? I mean, they're probably looking at him like, be of good cheer. Are you kidding me? For there shall be, now notice this, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, oh hallelujah, 
God has given you all them that sail with you. And then he reiterates, wherefore, sirs, be what? Be a good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. We must believe God's word. There are many things that he has said to us. There are many things that he has spoken to us. And the words that come from God bring great cheer and bring great joy. Amen? Now let's unpack this just for a moment. Is not Paul a man of God? He is not only a man of God, but he is a covenant man and he is on assignment. And every one of you today are on assignment. There are no unused members in the body of Christ. God has given you gifts. God has given you plans. God has given you purpose for your life. So the man of God gets a word from God. And here's the word. Hey, Paul, the ship you're on, (laughs) it ain't going to make it. But you will. The ship you're on, it's just not going to make it, Paul. But you will. The delivery mechanism... The modus operandi, the means by which you may have thought you were going to get there, the means with or without the ship, you are going to make it. Some of you this morning have lost some things. Some have thought that this particular ship or this particular person or this particular financial structure, this is what it's going to take to get me to Rome. Perhaps you're here this morning and there are people that are no longer in your life. There are financial structures that are no longer around you. But with or without the ship, you're still standing. With or without the ship, you're still here. (laughs) Glory to God. You're still praising. You're still shouting. Some of you are still dancing with or without the ship. Come on, somebody. We're going to make it with or without that relationship. You're going to make it with or without the people that said they were going to do this and do that for you. You're going to make it because we don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in horses. We trust in the living God who takes us all the way to our finish line. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. It's all because you have faith in a faithful God. And then he goes to the guys and he says, Okay, guys, I told you to be a good cheer. Just want you to know, fellas, the ship ain't going to make it. But you're going to live. Somebody said, I'm going to live. And I'm not going to die. By the way, he's saying everyone in your ship, because they're in your ship, not because they deserve it, they're going to live also. 
I'm telling you what, don't worry, your kids aren't going to drown. Don't worry, you're not going to drown. You're not going to go down the tube. If you'll put your faith in the living God, He will cause you to make it. Amen. But then that also tells us we need to be careful who we let on our ship. Notice with me in verse 26. Verse 26, it says, Howbeit we must cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. In other words, they put something in the water to determine how deep the water is, to determine how close they were going to be to land. And we went a little further, verse 28, and they sounded again and found it about fifteen fathoms. Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. And when they had let down the boat into the sea, under Kalar, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. But Paul said to the centurion, I want you to get this. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship. You cannot be saved. They let the lifeboats down. They didn't believe the word of the Lord that came through Paul. So they lowered it. And I believe that Paul is saying to them what he's saying to us today. With God, there are no plan B's. In other words, let those lifeboats go. Let your security blanket go. Come on, somebody. In other words, let go and let God. Why is that? Because there's something bigger and there's something better that's coming your way. Do you believe that? I believe it. Verse 32, thank God they were obedient. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat. You know, after a long abstinence, meat tastes pretty good. Saying, this day is the 14th day. We have tarried and continued fasting. We've taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take up some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not be an hair fall from your head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all of? How many of you know some food in the tummy makes you happy? <laughs> McDonald's no fool when they said, we got a happy meal. <laughs> well, you know this was a happy meal for them on that ship. After 14 days, they took some meat. And in verse 37, it says, We were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into which they were minded if it were possible to thrust into the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves under the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoised up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. 
And the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Everyone say, there goes the ship. But I'm going to make it. Come hell or high water, I'm going to make it. I got the word on it. So the ship is on its way out. In verse 42, and the soldiers took and the soldiers' counsel was to kill these prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Look at this. Here's favor. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, evidently they knew that Paul was a man of God. And because of that, Paul was given favor by the centurion. Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded them that they should swim, should cast themselves first into the sea, And to get to the land. And verse 44, I want you to read this. And the rest, some on boards, and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped safe. Oh, hallelujah. They made it safely to the land. It wasn't easy to make it safely to the land. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So what did they do? They took some broken pieces from the wreck. And they took those broken pieces and they laid upon them. And those broken pieces enabled them to get to the land. Oh, that's such a revelation right there. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, what do, you, what do you see there? I'll tell you what I see. They held on to a piece of a great wreck. Listen to this statement. God does great things with broken pieces. Because the purpose of God in your life is greater than any brokenness of man. Hallelujah. God said the ship is going to go. But you're going to make it. And these broken lives made it to the shore. Now I'm going to preach part two of this message in just a few moments. Number one, on the way to Rome. But number two, on the way to Rome, you've got to learn to shake it off. Somebody says, shake it off. Now in Acts chapter 28... I want us to look at verse 5. This is a very interesting scenario. How many of you know sometimes you've got to keep singing through the storm? If he said you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And the truth of the matter is, because you are in Christ Jesus and Christ is in you, you've already made it. You're already born again. You're already a child of God. You're already a joint heir with Jesus. Amen? You're already complete in Him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So they made it. Get the picture here. I mean, they're literally drenched, Raul. Some of them got to this island and landed on it, and they were a mess. I mean, they didn't have ties on, but they were a mess. I mean, they're... They're coming into the, to the island and they're drenched and they're tired and they're thinking, oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. 
In Acts chapter 28, I want you to notice this, and we're going to read this from the NLT. It says, once they were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. And the people of the island were very kind to us. Remember, they're on the way to Rome. It was cold. It was rainy, like it's been for the last three months here. This is the Mediterranean area. It's cold and it's rainy. So what did they do? They built a fire on the shore and they welcomed us. And Paul, trying to be very helpful, Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. And a poisonous snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. I mean, suddenly, he's got snake bite. I can imagine the conversation that Paul had with that serpent. And I tell you, when the devil bites, and he bites with bad intentions, his venom is not only to slow your progress, but to kill you. There are some venoms that Satan has that will hinder your life in Christ. One of the biggest venoms he uses is strife with one another. And so this snake comes out of the fire. But the Apostle Paul, he had already been stoned. He had already been left shipwrecked. He had already been beaten. He'd already been left for dead. And the power of God came upon him and raised him up. He had just been through the worst violent storm on sea to that date. And he knew that he knew that he knew that God had called him to go to Rome. And I imagine the Apostles Paul attitude was this. Can't touch me now. You can't stop me now. You've hindered me, but you're not going to stop me. So I don't know that this is true or not, but Paul may have looked that snake straight in the eye and said, Do you know who you're coming after? Do you have any idea what I just survived? I just went through a great storm. I was shipwrecked. You don't scare me. You don't scare me before. And you will never again scare me. Hallelujah. Let's see. When you've been through a storm and you survive a shipwreck, the things you used to run from, you don't run from anymore. Why? Because now you carry the anointing to shake it off. I said, now you carry the anointing to shake it off. Glory to God. And Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. A poisonous stake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. Verse Verse 4. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, Oh, a murderer, no doubt. Bring this into 2017. That cancer's in their body because they must be sinners. 
They must be going through what they're going through because of A, B, C, and D. And so the people of the island said, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Everyone say, wrong. And the accusations that have come against you are wrong. Why is that? Because the devil's wrong. There ain't nothing right about that rat. He is wrong from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. But you are right in God's sight. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're on assignment. You're on your way. Say it with me. I'm going somewhere. God's taken me all the way. Notice in verse 5. But Paul, what did he do? Let's, let's practice this. Paul did what? Shook off. Do the other hand now. He did what? He shook off the snake. And what did he do? He shook the snake off, sent it back to hell where it belonged. But not only that, he was unharmed. And Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. He said in Mark 16, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it, come on, it shall not harm them. Glory to God. So what Paul did is what we must do. We must shake off the snake. We must take Satan and shake him off out of our lives. I want you to notice in verse 4 through 6. It gets very interesting here. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly to drop dead. Yeah, there's people that are waiting for you to drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he was unharmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. There may be some people waiting for you to swell up and die, but thank God you're still here. You're still here. He's going to lift you up above your adversaries. Never again will you run from your enemy, but you will shake it off. Oh, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, shake it off. Woo, shake it off. Shake that job loss off. Shake what they said about you off. Shake that junk off. Get rid of yesterday and face your future with faith and know that God has got you. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Well, I've just come through the toughest season in my life. I see that you're still breathing. I see that you're still alive because yea, though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. God is for you and God is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Quit talking about how tough it was and start raising your hands and give God the praise that you're still breathing. You're still praising. You're still dancing. You're still shouting the victory. Woo, shake it off. Shake that difficult season off. Shake it off. 
holding on to the snake and accepting the venom that he brings into our life will minimize and absolutely paralyze you in life. And that is why we must shake it off. Yeah, but I'm so disappointed, Pastor. This person got this job and I was better equipped. Shake it off. Shake it off. And know that God's got something better for you. Ooh, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah, but I thought things were going to be this way. And I thought that was going to be that way. And I thought this person was going to ask me to marry him. And oh, shake it off. That person that was going to ask you to marry him ain't worth the powder to blow him up. Shake it off. And I'm not talking about Taylor Swift's song, Shake It Off. I'm talking about shaking off the venom. I'm talking about putting Satan under your feet. Mm. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. This person said they were going to do this for me. This person said they were going to bathe the building off. But now I can't find them anymore. Shake it off. Push the delete button. Walk in love. But carry on. Keep moving toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. One foot in front of the other. Oh, my, 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 my. Glory to God. One day a farmer's donkey fell into an abandoned well. The animal cried piteously for hours as the farmer tried to figure out what to do. Finally, he decided the animal was old and well needed to be covered up anyway. So it just wasn't worth it to him to try to retrieve the donkey. You're better than a donkey. He invited all his neighbors to come over and help him. They each grabbed a shovel and began to shovel dirt into the well. Realizing what was happening, the donkey at first cried and wailed horribly. Then a few shovelfuls later, he quieted down completely. The farmer peered down the well and was astounded by what he saw. With every shovelful of dirt that hit his back, the donkey did something amazing. He would shake it off and take a step to a new layer of dirt. Some of you need to shake it off and take a step to a new level. Hallelujah. God's going to take you from glory to glory to glory. As the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel dirt on top of the animal, he would soon shake it off and take a step up. Pretty soon the donkey stepped up over the edge of the well and trotted off to to the shock and astonishment of all the neighbors. And the moral of the story is this. Life is going to shovel dirt on you. All kinds of dirt. The trick to getting out of the well is to not let it bury you, but shake it off and take a step forward. Because each step you take in the midst of trouble is simply a stepping stone. You can get out of the deepest wells just by not stopping, by never giving up, shake it off and take a step forward. So they're down there and they're looking and they're waiting for it to swell up. But this man of God knew his God. And he looked that serpent 
in the face, shook it off. Now, the interesting thing about this is this, is that he was bitten in the hand. And just a few verses later, we see the hand that he used to shake the devil off was the hand that he used to heal a multitude of people. The very injury that the devil is trying to bring in your life could very well be the thing that God's going to turn around and use for His glory. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just read this in closing because we're running out of time. Are you ready to shake some things off? I said, are you ready to shake some things off? Hallelujah. Verse 7. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously, a nice man. But it came to pass that his father lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed. And what did he do? (laughs) He laid his hands on him and healed them. So when this was done, others which had diseases in the island came and were healed. I tell you what, it's turnaround time for many of you this morning. The same area that the enemy has been attacking you in. Attacking your marriage, attacking your finances. This just means that God's about to do some great things. I believe in turnaround time. Are you ready? Are you ready to shake some things off? I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this service today.